Well, here we are on December 27th, two days after Christmas. For most people, the stuff of Christmas has come and gone. The presents have been wrapped and given and unwrapped. The decorations are up, but we're already thinking about having to take them down. The cookies have been baked and eaten. The carols have been sung. The Advent candles, even the Christ candle has been lit. We've sung Silent Night. There are no more chocolates or, in my house, Legos in the Advent calendar. We are still in the season of Christmas tide, the 12 days of Christmas, but already we're starting to think about what's next. Our culture always says it's time to speed on to the next thing. So we're thinking about New Year's Eve and what that'll look like this year. We're, we're looking forward to 2021. We're ready to put 2020 in the rearview mirror. We're wondering if our kids are going to go back into the schools on January 11th. And if you blink for too long, you're going to see Valentine's cards and chocolates in the stores when you open your eyes. The news cycle keeps pushing to the newest headline. We've been conditioned to look for, to anticipate the next thing. But I find myself, my soul, isn't ready to move on. My heart and my mind are still captured by the themes of Advent. Hope, love, joy, and peace. Our souls weren't meant to rush to the future. They were meant to linger in the present. And so I want to encourage us today to linger in these Advent and Christmas themes. To press pause, at least for this week, between Christmas and New Year's Day, but maybe longer and be present to the implications of the season we've just celebrated and technically still find ourselves in. It's easy in Advent to spend time looking at the Christmas story with its cast of characters who played their roles, or to look to the Old Testament for the prophecies that point to Jesus' coming. But there's another aspect to Advent I don't want us to miss. I mentioned back in my sermon in the first week of Advent, that Advent not only points back to the first Christmas, but it also points us forward. In week three, when we talked about the sages, Pastor Michael had us flip in our minds to the end of the gospel story. He wanted us to remember that even as we look at the manger, we see it through the lens of the cross and the empty tomb. But I found myself flipping more pages past the end of the gospel story, past Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, past the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, past all the letters to the church. I found myself flipping all the way to the end of the story, to the final chapters of the final book in the library of Scripture, to the passage from Revelation 21 that was read earlier in the service. And this may seem an odd choice, of scripture text for the Sunday after Christmas, but I find myself captivated in these Christmas days by the idea that Jesus is coming again. We miss the full meaning of Advent and Christmas itself if we focus only on the reality that Jesus came and we fail to embrace the reality that Jesus is coming again. Our identity as the people of God is shaped by our faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. 
When Jesus put on our flesh and humanity that first Christmas, he started something. But when he comes again, he's going to finish it. He was born in a stable as Emmanuel, God with us. John says in his gospel that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now in this passage from the Revelation, John says that when Christ returns and he makes all things new, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And when creation is set right and God dwells with his people in perfect unity, that's the end of sickness and sadness and pain and death. And that is how we will spend eternity. That thought should fill us with hope and peace and joy. But in these Christmas days, I also find myself captivated by that idea that in Jesus, God put on flesh and humanity. You've probably heard it in my prayers over the past few weeks. I, I can't get past it. I can say the words, fully God, fully human, but I can't quite wrap my brain around that reality and its implications. The uncreated triune God who created all that is, the God who revealed himself to Abraham and spoke by the prophets, that God put on our humanity, our creatureness, our, our finitude, so that he could reveal himself to us. Paul called Jesus the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus came as the perfect image of God. Jesus, fully God, fully human, was the place where heaven and earth met. That's how people in the ancient Near Eastern world thought about temples, not people. Temples were the place where the divine realm intersected with the created realm. And now Jesus says that's who he, he is. In John 2, some Jews were asking Jesus about his authority to clear out the temple. And listen to Jesus' response. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The temple he had spoken of was his body. In the person of Jesus, heaven and earth, Creation and creator were joined together. Now, this is the exact same language that Paul used to talk about the church, about those who follow Jesus. He told the Corinthians, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. When I put together the reality that in Jesus, God took on our humanity, with the reality that God has sent the Holy Spirit not just to be with us, but to be in us, I'm blown away. The Spirit of God dwells in our bodies, in our flesh. We are now God's image in the world. We bear God's Holy Spirit to the world. 
We are to be the place where the kingdom of God intersects with the kingdom of earth. And so I've been thinking these Christmas days about, a, about what it means to live as the incarnate presence of God in the world. How do we incarnate the hope, love, joy, and peace of God in the world today? Because we know a day is coming when those things will be known in their fullness in Jesus. What does it look like for us to live as ambassadors, as outposts of the kingdom of God in the midst of the world? How should our lives look different from those around us? Not only because we follow Jesus, but because the Spirit of God is living in the world today in our bodies. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers to questions like these, but I think one thing is certain. Our lives should not, cannot look like the world around us. All you have to do is look around you. The world here at the end of 2020 is hopeless and hateful, depressed and anxious. But I don't think that this is unique to 2020. This year and the crises we've faced may have been accelerators of the problems in the world, but they were not their cause. Even before the election or the racial tensions, before the pandemic broke out, or even the wildfires in California or Australia, there's no denying that the world looked hopeless, hateful, depressed, and anxious. This didn't just pop up in 2020, and it's not going to magically disappear when the calendar flips over to 2021. As followers of Jesus, as the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be Advent people, not just in the four weeks leading up to Christmas, but every day, all year long. We are called to embody in our flesh and bones, in our day-to-day -day lives, the hope, love, joy, and peace of Christ, and to live as heralds of God's kingdom until Jesus comes again. So my challenge, no, my invitation for us today is this. Before you take down the decorations or jump into your 2021 New Year's resolution, before you move on to the next thing, linger in the reality that even as Jesus came in time and space to a stable 2,000 years ago, Jesus is coming again. Allow that truth to fill you with hope, love, joy, and peace. And then look for opportunities to incarnate that same hope, love, joy, and peace to a hurting and broken world around you. It's been said, you may be the only image of God that someone sees today. When they do, will they see a God who comes to dwell with us? Or will they see a reflection of themselves instead? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, I know, I know, we usually sing this one before Christmas. But today, let it be a declaration of your faith that Christ will come again, and when he does, he will, as the carol says, order all things far and nigh. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful today that you came and you put on our flesh and humanity and became 
one of us. That you came and dwelt with us. That you came to redeem us and reconcile us to yourself. You made a way back for us where we could never have made a way on our own. You came for us and you're coming again. And that thought fills us with hope and love and joy and peace. So God, we pray that in these days you would help us to to incarnate those realities of hope, love, joy, and peace to a world around us. Help us to bear your image and bear your spirit to a world that desperately needs you. Help us to live as citizens of your kingdom, even as we dwell among the kingdoms of this earth. God, we long for that day when you come and you set all things right. When you come and you make all things new. We pray, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, make it so. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.